Hall of the Slain. Um, it is Odin's Hall that the Antariar inhabit, and they are among the chosen dead. They are the, well, 50% of the chosen dead. Which we'll get into that a little bit later as well with how that all works out. But mm-hmm. what happens in Valhall every day is the Unheriard, the Chosen Fallen, wake up, they pick up their weapons, and they train for Ragnarok till supper time, roundabouts. And they fight and they die every day on the fields of Valhall. And then they go and they enter back into the Hall of Valhall and they drink and they eat bacon and they're served by the Valkyries with meat or wine or beer, depending on who you ask. And they live a pretty decent life, but they are fighting and dying every day in preparation for Ragnarok. What else can we add to that? Because my brain quit working. Well, uh, so if you're just now joining us, this is episode two of the new Uppsala podcast. And you saw that we're going to be talking about the afterlifes of Norse paganism and how you have very different ones and the over romanticized of Valhalla or Valhall or is there any other, uh, Valhalla, Valhall? I'm sure there's like a thousand of like yeah. Odin's halls that they translate to Valhall and such. Yeah. But the general gist is the hall of the slain chosen by Odin. Yes. Um, after, uh, Freya has turned them down. <laughs> So, uh, yep, this is episode two. Um, sorry for uh, not releasing and having it super late. Uh, we're doing a little new setup where we all record beforehand. We're like a week, two weeks in advance. And we learned a lot from the first episode, which was just the introductionary. Hopefully the audio is 10 times better. I mean, this is going to be a work in progress, so please stay with us. Um, uh, just again, my name's Robert King Bates, uh, Path of the Raven within New Uppsala. To my right, you have Sigverda Ufar, which is Path or Order of the Wolf. And then right below us, you have White Wolf, which is the head of order with uh, the discipline of the Sentinel. And we're all heads of order within New Uppsala, which is the school for the Gothar. If you are interested within supporting us, um, we're in the works of getting 501 Charlied. Um, and once that happens, and new donations will be written off be being written off with taxes but all the funds will go to creating and maintaining this wonderful educational experience from three gothar and now that we got our ad breakout Agreed. Uh, yeah, absolutely. To snip on that, you know, everything that is donated is a donation of a 501c3, which means your donated charitable contributions, schools, whatever else. Tax wraps are always fun. It's the only reason anyone gets married. Uh, but other than that, it's great. So, <laughs> yes, today we're talking about the afterlifes. Now, we said lives with plural, not singular. 
Uh, Valhalla is very romanticized in many depictions. It seems like it's a place everyone wants to go. Every heathen that is new to it, essentially, uh, thinks that is the end goal, the All-Father's Hall. It's fantastic. But that's not always the case with everybody. So I hope today we actually get to dissuade some illusions of romanticized concepts, as well as encourage others to seek other halls that may be more practical and bring everyone together to say, this may not be always, but this is the constant. So, well, hall is not the constant, nor is it the always, but we're going to talk about it today. Yay. 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 Um, like I said before, our great introductions, uh, my bad. I just kind of jumped into things because I'm who I am. Um, but no, like I said, Valhall is the Hall of the Slain. It's as simple as that. And what Robert alluded to with the other half going to Freya is a very important conversation in there. Because she actually gets the first pick of that 50%. She chooses before Odin does. So arguably you could say that she has the better warrior. It's like, I, I would picture like being friend-zoned by a goddess. Like, she doesn't pick you, but you're still there. We've all kind of been there, right? Friend-zoned by a goddess? At least once. Yeah, but <laughs> we've all had that experience as a teenager. You thought she was a goddess, at least. What are you talking about? All the females that I've been with romantically are goddesses in their own certain ways. That's the Jotun to the fairy kind. Hoorah. Okay. okay. <laughs> but yes, no, I agree with you, Sigvirdu, far when it comes to uh, warrior slain and the romanticization of... Uh, going to Folkvanger, which is the hall uh, that Freya has for the slain. It's kind of weird how we just went to Valhalla and then Freya's hall. Nope. So the name is Folkvanger. Um, and then out of all the Valkyries, she has 50%, and then Odin gets the leftovers. It's not to say that, you know, she picks the best ones of all kinds, of all time, but it's what fits her mission. Agreed. And I think a big thing of what we're going to talk about is not people are not worthy of going one place nor the other. It's whatever suits the gods or goddesses. It's what suits the Aesir as best. Uh, they may not even be Aesir that they claim you, but it is where you end up based off your qualities, what you are, who you are, and how they perceive you. This could mean anything from... Loki, to Odin, to Thor, to Heimdall, to any of these things. This is not a demoralization of aptitude, courage, or anything else. This is just simply out of our hands, essentially. But this is a realistic conversation of where we may end up, not where you will end up. So, you mentioned something right there, and I just want to make sure we understand it. You mentioned Thor and Heimdall and Loki and the other gods within that mix. I just want to make sure this is perfectly clear. People can go to the afterlife to their halls. Or is that a UPG that we're both under the assumption of and possibly the masses are? I don't know. 
that's something I've always believed, is that the other gods could choose that perhaps you live in their hall. Correct? Maybe? Do we have references to that? None that I know of, or like sources-wise, but if you use the same turn of thought with Ron, um, her hall is for everyone that dies while away at sea. I mean, she's a goddess, and she's a Yot... Vanir. Yep, she's Vanir, not Jotun. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But she has pick over all the individuals that go to... and they die at sea. And then you got Hell, uh, H-E-L, and then UPG-wise, it's... you got the good side of Hell, which is just living on earth and then you got uh the dead side of hell which all the oath breakers and literally all the scum of the earth they go there and this is my upg it's they're the ones that fight against the azir vanir during ragnarok instead of you know dying of old age that's my upg right and it's, it's it's well put. Um, similar to that, you could talk about the Wild Hunt. Wild Hunt is not an actual hall, but it's said that if you are claimed during this time, you join the Wild Hunt. Now, that does not mean you are a part of Odin's Hall or anything else. It's literally mean you're constantly in motion. So to discuss halls is to discuss the lack thereof as well. Um, the way we talk about hell being the common ground of most dead, um, the wild hunt, while it is foreboding and the most terrible thing in my opinion, um, it's something that if you die during, you join it. You don't go to a hall. You don't go to Odin's hall just because Odin claimed you. If it's claimed during the wild hunt, you join the wild hunt and are constantly in motion and hunting and moving forward with the wolves, the tribes, and everything else. But that's not a hall at all. So sometimes the afterlife doesn't seem so stagnant and exact. It's constantly in motion. Um, I've also heard rumor of following or falling in, back into the, the weird, the well of blue and everything going with it. So you just kind of recycle. Much like uh, the Buddhist faith sees reincarnation, we see sometimes your essences are deconstructed, but back in the well of weird, reconstructed and found later throughout time and space, which is a different concept entirely. So on that, we've covered like seven different options of things that we know of or have UPG stories of or people have told us. Some of them are referenced like Hell and with Ran and several others. We have those references. So now it's not just Valhalla or Hell. There's there's other places. Now, arguably, between the two, which is the two biggest ones that we know of, are Folkfinger and Valhall, as well as Hell. So three. Three biggest weird. Um, three biggest ones we know of are Folkfinger, Valhall, and Hell. Those are the main ones that people always reference. So in that instance, one, I would rather go to Folkfinger, based on the stories and the way that it's described, hands down. If that's the way that I end up going, rather go there than Valhall. No offense, Odin. Love you, dude, but no. I don't want to do that. I want to go party with Freya. Like, that sounds better to me, honestly. But out of those three, we've kind of already described 
Valhall, would one of you like to describe Folkvanger so that we're not just talking in circles without actually explaining what the hell we're saying? Yeah, more than happy to. Um, but first, you brought White Wolf brought up reincarnation, and that is another concept that is actually cited within uh, the Norse stories. If you've read the Vulispa, which I'm assuming if you're listening to our podcast, you have read the Vulispa or heard of the Vulispa at least once in your many lives. Uh, and the perfect and first instance of reincarnation is Balder. Balder dies and then he comes back. And then there's other stories um, within that are real life. It, they're escaping my head. Maybe one of you know, but it's, I want to say it's in the Volsung saga where it's talk like humans are reincarnated because they have unfinished yep. business. Yeah. What is his name? Um, back to poetic. Hold on. All right. And for Folkfanger, my interpretation and visualization of what the hall looks like, it's a big wide open field with a ship as a roof, big old hall, sun, beauty, um, there's flowers blossoming everywhere. It's very naturalistic and it's quite beautiful. I mean, as Freya is with the goddess of love um, to an extent and war, my UPG is that the warriors that die and Freya picks them during Ragnarok, they're the Freya's warriors while Valhalla's warriors are for odin so each tribe against the jotuns um each have their own human warriors and i find that quite beautiful as in if someone is more connected to the azir there's a possibility if you die a warrior's death that you'll be picked by odin because you are more easier oriented and worshiping easier more and the same vice versa goes for Vanir. The person we were looking for is Helgi. Thank you. Helgi in the back of the poetic. Um, it's also in the beginning of the little song saga, I believe being that they are one and the same in a lot of ways, but Helgi is said to be reincarnated twice. For true love's sake, I guess, I suppose, something like that. Um, but yeah. If we're talking about reincarnation, would that not stand that technically when Odin burned the witch three times in his hall, she died and came back three times? Or was that simply a lack of death, not a reincarnation? If it was true reincarnation, that was a lot faster from what I've gathered from timelines and stuff but maybe not maybe it was just the simple cycle we're not getting into timelines yeah um <laughs> which, which turned out to be for the most part as most understand is freya yes yep i that was my understanding as well yep. so freya herself in the certain stories may have represented reincarnation more than once 
in front of Odin himself. Mm-hmm. Now, it's currently possible, you know, that could be reincarnation or just, you know, not being able to die. I mean, the same as Balder, if he anything else hurts him other than mistletoe, it ain't going to affect him. Maybe burning just can kill Freya. And that could play into effect during Ragnarok when Sirt plunges his sword into the valley and causes everything in flames. But does anyone else have any uh, visualization and picturing of what Folkranger looks like? So I have bad experiences. Um, and it, it, it may be a more broad spectrum part of it where there may have been Aval Hall, there may have been Asgard in general. Um, now, obviously, very much UPG. Um, I have technically died and come back a few times. <laughs> um, nothing too intense, like I was speared through the heart or some shit. Um, through blood loss and a few resuscitation. After a while, I had some things. Uh, one was kind of interesting to me, and to me, it was almost like my brain is triggering its own concept. So I constantly try and disprove myself, uh, dissuade myself of what I've seen, and justify what I've seen. But when it comes down to it, it's just, um, at the time that I was announced dead, or whatever you want to call it, um, I do remember bits and pieces of certain things. One of them, it sounds very, just a Skyrim esque. Um, there was a, so essentially it was the back of a wagon, not like a shitty, terrible wooden wagon. It was fantastic and ornate. And I was going up a very stone slab crossback, so like back and forth, zigzaggy trail on a very, very narrow path made of ornate stone. At the top of every ornate stone before it went one to the other was a small round platform with giant statues depicting gods and goddesses. But at the time, I could not discern. Uh, when that happened, um, I remember seeing one falling kind of to sleep, waking up to see another falling back to sleep. And when we hit the top, which seemed like a large plateau of just the same ornate stones, they weren't like gold or anything, but it was definitely so long lines like marble or something like that for the floor based. And to my left was this massive ornate building. Um, that had shields that were, I mean, easily larger than buildings I've seen in a long time, not like skyscraper per se, but common houses with massive spears as the beams between them, not just beams of wood, but actual spears. And that was to my left with ornate, fantastic doors, fires everywhere. And then to my right, just slightly as I was taking this turn, there was another hall that was made of mostly gold or very ornate decorative doors that were larger than anything I've ever seen. All of these depictions were massive in construct. And I was basically being ushered into this plateau of buildings that weren't necessarily focused on one or the other. It was like entering a town and seeing the entry hall or the entry area. Uh, that's, that's the only time I... After that, like it was very that that saw it, and I'm back type of a thing. Now there may have been way more that I saw, but not much more than I remember. So that's my only 
depiction of anything that I've witnessed or felt UPG-wise of my afterlife itself, uh, whether that was my brain dissociating from its body or whatever else, but that's what I have seen and felt. Uh, I am an artist of sorts, and I do have trying to draw this a thousand times. I can draw and paint almost anything I can picture. This one I have done so many times that I can't get it right. But one day I will try my best to do this. <laughs> but that's the only one that I have. For UPG depiction of Afterlife, there was not a Valhall. It may have been the one with the spears and, and shields. There may have been another hall that is not that, but I was not going towards one or the other, and there was not a entrance of one or the other, and I never entered any of these, obviously, because I'm here. That's beautiful. So, that, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've seen your drawings, uh, and for everyone listening, he's an excellent artist. I mean, didn't you go to school okay. for uh, art? I had a few scholarships. Um, I studied mostly abroad in Paris. I spent more time in the Louvre than I have in actual high school in the United States because I hated school. Uh, <laughs> but I spent more of the time studying abroad than in the United States. But yes, I, I did. I, I've had a few of them before. But yes. Yeah. So that's, I mean, as a famous stands being in uh, the Louvre more than high school, I mean, you, I think you would pick up a thing or two, but the thing I want to piggyback off is when you describe the hall that you visited and how it looked, how it felt, is that still UPG even after the fact you died and then you were resonated oh. and then came back? Did you get a glimpse in actually how the halls look like? when it comes okay. to afterlife. So for me personally, um, I never entered a single building. Oh, okay. I witnessed and saw these buildings, but I never entered a single one of them. So it's now, like you're going down main street and then you got halls to the left and right. It was literally, I, I went to, a, I was following, a, I was not even, I was in the back of a car driving, nothing had no control. I was being, chariot or taken to these locations i had the top of a plateau witnessed multiple buildings and never once entered a single one of them but i saw multiple of them um me myself i didn't want to enter any one of them like i saw them i recognized them to a certain degree you get the feeling of them but i never wanted to enter a single one that i saw because me personally, I want to enter a different hall than most people state. So, Sigurd Ufar, did you have anything? I mean, I, once what I said, you like sounded like you a uh, little spark blew off in your head, and you're like, "Ooh, good concept, good thing to think More about." Just kind of a comedic relief thing. Um, in all honesty, because I was speaking to someone about this back five, six, seven years ago, something like that about what Folkvanger looked like, and I cannot remember the person's name for the life of me. I can barely remember the face. It was like an obscure reference at a party. And we just got to talking, and they were like, yeah, Folkvanger's a rave, dude. And I was like, wait, what? And he was like, yeah, it's a fucking rave. And I was like, okay, but pump the brakes. That kind of makes sense to me. For whatever reason, my brain went, okay. I could see it. 
you have Freya, the goddess of love, and all of her beautiful aspects. And then you have her brother probably hanging out in a similar area nearby, who is also a god of love and light and nature and everything. So, like, you know what? No, it, it might be Coachella. I'm not going to lie. It might be Coachella. I don't know. It's just Burning Man for heathens. Let's just get yeah. it. <laughs> I was like, no, it makes sense. Like, it, okay. It made sense to me for whatever reason. It tracked. So that's how I've always pictured Folkmanger. It was just a massive party. A never-ending party that warriors that die honorably get to go and enjoy after their job is done and their life is done and they fought for everything honorably and they did their job. Now they get to go party. Which, arguably, you could say the, say the same about Valhall. Mm -hmm. But... I've never heard reference of the warriors in Folkfanger fighting and dying and training for Ragnarok the same way that they do in Valhalla. Is it, do you think it's because the Vanir tribe is more loving nature while the Aesir tribe is more about war and conflict? I think so, at least in part, um, personally. And I don't, they are warriors. Don't, don't get that twisted. There was a, long war between the Aesir and Vanir. They are just as battle prowess as anybody. They had their magic. They had their abilities. They had warriors. They can fight. Personally, I believe they choose not to. It's like a last resort. Be like, all right, let's right. let's try to do this peacefully. Let's let's use our words before our fists. While the Aesir are like, nah, let's let's uh let's hit each other and then we'll talk. Now, I, I, I say it a little bit differently. Is I think neither of them. Now, some of both of them seek conflict, hundred percent. Talk about Thor wandering; he's picking fight. Um, however, when you talk about the Vanir, they're the natural growth. It's like moss in a forest; it will grow naturally. The Aesir are more cut off but territorial with what they own. So when moss creeps into their camp. They push it back. Now, when the you push back into the forest and it comes to you, that's where the war happens. Now you're doing other realms, other species. I could see it going both ways of both of them not necessarily seeking out, and the ICR are not more aggressive in combat or trying to find a fight, as some of them do for sure, undoubtedly. Um, I think they're more tribalistic territorial, where you see the more druidic flow of the Vanir. Now, once you start encroaching on the Vanir and the, the forest, they start to defend their territory, much like the Aesir, and that's why they built their wall. So I don't see them both or either seeking out conflict. I see them both encroaching on each other, and what happened is they encroached on each other, fought each other, came to a stalemate, and moved on, and the biggest conflicts we know of that will come up in the future and or the past are when others invade their land. I agree with that. Um, like I said, there are warriors among both. There are gods dedicated to certain aspects of war on both sides. But I think that's a necessity now we're off topic, but I'm just going to keep going at this point because whatever. Um, uh, war is a necessity regardless. 
it's never going to stop. I know there's that whole utopia concept. There's all of the craziness that is behind that. But war isn't in a lot of things nature. Even in animals, they fight over territory constantly. There's no difference. And to assume that we're anything but animals, I'm sorry, we have thumbs and higher thought, sure, but we are still animals. And I'll die on that hill. We have territorial conflicts all the time. When's the last time you got mad at your neighbor for running over your grass? Literally now, on the other side of this wall, it's loud as... It's loud as Ragnarok on the other side of this wall. I'm just going to say that. I want to punch a hole through this wall. Anyway. Anyways, we all have our territorial conflicts, and that's that's something that it's not going away. Like, I don't know who told somebody that we could have a, animals fight over that stuff. And it's just nature. We have territories, and we're going to protect them. So, sorry, I rambled. War is never going away. So, to assume that our gods don't have someone dedicated to the protection or the guarding of themselves and their people just seems foolish to me if i'm so bold to say no i concur it, it's why we have warriors why i have sentries why i have stewards um to get I mean, we're in a tangent a thousand times but <laughs> getting back to valhall uh this is a what i wanted to depict with this conversation is a common misconception of what valhall is and what valhall what people think Valhall is, essentially. Um, essentially, it's the argumentative version, which is very different. I'm not going to say that, but it is the modernized, depicted version we see in many movies, as opposed to what we know in lore and ancestry. Um, so we romanticize it in very, very many different ways. Of When I die, I want to do this. And you see every upstart heathen... <laughs> generally male yeah is like, death in Valhalla blah 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 I'm like I'd rather go to Himmimbjörg I want to sit on a freaking mountaintop drink mead and tell stories with Heimdall I have no desire I mean I love bacon don't get me wrong but like I have no desire of going to Valhalla like I will find my place I will do my things Heimdall to me is who I want to spend my afterlife with because it is said that Heimdall drinks mead on the top of the Bifrost, views the Nine Realms, and merely tells stories that he knows and sees to the next generation. That to me, that's my afterlife. That sounds bomb. I am tired now as a human. I don't want to be <laughs> tired afterwards as an Anhyara. That sounds awful. Like, destroyed. And obviously, not up to me. I hope Heimdall's like that guy, but realistically, may not happen. Yeah. Um, so there are many halls. Um, the problem is people see, in my opinion, people see heathenism, they see Odinism, they see Asatru, and they're like, oh man, when you die, you go to Asatru or uh, Valhall, or you just die. And you're like, there's so many things between those two things. There's so many things between even just Hell or Helheim, which is basically the modernized version of Hell mostly coined by the Marvel concept of Heim, inferring a realm or a hall, where Hell is the name of the goddess that overlooks Hell. And just as Robert said earlier, there are parts of it. There is the pit, um, there's Nidhogg's belly, 
There's, you know, I've seen multiple depictions which be very Christianized of the gold, black, and gray hall, which seems very celestial, telestial, and telestial or whatever it was. Um, but there are a lot of or a lot of afterlifes, and I want to this to be kind of the deflation of Valhalla. As glorious as it is, and as amazingly described as it is, and even in all the descriptions, it says those in hell will cower or just not move during Ragnarok. They're frozen in state, where those in Valhall will enact and fight during Ragnarok. So you have the people that are active and the people that are immobile during Ragnarok, right? So that's kind of the depiction of it. Is one is seems like a cowardice base, where the other one seems like the more warrior base. And ninety percent, if not more, are going to end up in hell because sure you die gloriously or proudly, but there's all sorts of ways to die, and they're not always going to guarantee. Even if you die in combat, is not a guarantee that you picked up and taken two ball as a nine yard. If Freya loves you more than Odin gets to choose, you can be the strongest warrior in the world, man. And Freya's got your number. That's it. And if Odin sees someone else a little bit more qualified or something that fits his agenda, not his parameters more, you're not going to Valhalla. You're going to end up somewhere else entirely. And it's his agenda, not his end goal. Because his agenda is to not win Ragnarok. But to stop it from happening entirely. And that's a big misconception. He's not trying to win. He'll be the first to die. But he's trying to just stop it from happening entirely. Now, does that mean he's sending the strongest warriors to hell so they can't move? Or is he taking the strongest warriors to combat the Jotuns from even trying? And that's kind of the misconception I want to get into is a lot that is a very i need time to digest that honestly but while i'm digesting it <laughs> you brought up a interesting thing that you know i just want to say again even i use it to this day helheim is used in marvel comics during any times during the lore it's always referred to hell um same as the goddess same as the realm i use helheim to identify that I'm talking about the realm, even though I know from all the lore that I've read and, you know, the actual name, it's the name is hell. Uh, the, the realm is named hell. I use Helheim to deficiate or that's not the word. Differentiate. There we go. Words are hard. <laughs> uh, to show um, that I'm talking like what I'm talking about. So I don't have to. All right, I'm talking about hell. Also, it's the realm, not the goddess. When I just say, all right, I'm, you know, Helheim. Every, everyone that I talk to, oh, you're talking about the realm. Okay, that's amazing. Um, so that's what I use to help talk, uh, show whoever I'm talking to what I'm talking about to better explain my answer. Yeah, and uh, it's funny because I come from a very Christian-based background, and so when I say hell, and I talk to my family or whatever else, I it's a capital H and a single L, and that's how that works for me. Because mm -hmm. I'm not referring to 
their afterlife with Lucifer and the devil and hell, as my family would endearingly say, <laughs> hoggy sticks. But mine is the capital H-E-L, which is the woman and the place. It's, it's a decent idea to differentiate them, though, and it's fortunate and unfortunate that Marvel was the one that came up with a way to differentiate the two. Yeah, I agree. I don't really care. In all honesty, it could be accurate, Although it's Hell's home, so sure. I suppose it could be a can. I don't have an issue with it, but regardless, um, yeah. All right. So I, I, I want to propose a question to all three of us because I have to think about it as well. Is when is the first time and what reference, whether it be Marvel or otherwise, you heard of Valhalla or Valhalla? Vikings TV show. That's my oh, first. That's like for me. That's really like why. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we we started our Norse pagan past very differently. I started a little bit later in life when there's still television and not you know writing on stone tablets. Motherfucker. Stone tablets still accurate. <laughs> when? God damn it. Uh, um, first time I knew of Valhalla. Not knew, uh, heard of. Like in it, it may have been passing. The first time you remember hearing, okay, what it was a mythology class in high school. Yours wasn't exclusively about Greek mythology or the no, Greek pantheon. Oh, we can get into that story. Um, we went over Greek mythology and Roman mythology, or not Hellenistic religions. Yep. Let me correct myself. <laughs> um, we went over their stuff, and then we got the option to go over Celtic paganism and or Norse paganism. And our class voted, and I actually voted for Celtic paganism because my bloodline and ancestry stems from that area of the world most or a large part of it does, and I was like, cool, I've never heard about them before. But then I got outvoted, so we went over North Paganism, and I was like, okay, this is dope. Like, <laughs> it resonates with my soul. Like, I understand where this is going. So, yeah, that that was probably the first time I knew what Valhalla was, or even heard it mentioned, was mythology class in high school. That's beautiful. Yeah, when I went through, we only went oh, about the Greek pantheon, and the... What's the book? The famous book? Uh, the Odyssey. Iliad and Odyssey. Yeah. The Iliad and Odyssey, yeah. Yeah. We went over those. That's a good one. No, it's a, it is a it's great a, story. 100% is a great story. And then as soon as we were done, we, you know, moved on to the next thing. We didn't talk yeah. about any other pantheons or divinations. Oh, yeah. We got into it in my class, and I've got to give a shout-out to that teacher whose name I probably shouldn't say on here, but she was awesome. Yeah. She was super cool about everything. We went over different cultures and stuff, and she would tell us blatantly honest that um, people still practice it, especially in the state that I live in where it's very heavily Christian. She would say there are people that still 
practice this religiously and she would go into details on stuff like that she was she was awesome we went into the egyptian gods we went into the the hindu gods we went into a bunch of different groups of gods around the world throughout religion and throughout time so it was it was dope but yeah north paganism that was probably the first time was that his, that mythology class in high school that's cool um uh, yes God, I'm older than you. Um, so, now to put this in perspective, when I was in junior high with one of my best friends, who is still my one of my best friends to this day, um, in junior high school, um, he and I went to school together. We were raised since we were five together. Uh, we used to write letters to each other in class, as children do, but we got really sick of the teacher learning how to read, or to read our shit out loud, because that's what they do. Um, so he and I actually, to this has nothing to do with Valhalla, but to Yudi's point, uh, we learned actually how to write in hieroglyphics. Now, my family has Pyrus scrolls from my family lineage. It actually is our family line to a certain degree in on a papyrus scroll in hieroglyphics. So he and I learned that in junior high. So it's kind of funny. We talk about like the Egyptian mythology, all that stuff. So I have a very big background in a lot of different things. Um, and I had to look up the year it was released because it's not the year I heard it, obviously. Um, but I didn't want to do it injustice of the first time. The first time I heard of Valhalla or Valhall was from my father, who, ironically enough, teach, taught primary school in the LDS church, right? So, like, what? So, his one of his favorite songs when I was growing up, we were on long road trips outside of the band Meatloaf was Led Zeppelin. Now, Led Zeppelin released a song called The Immigrant Song in 1970 that we listened to constantly. And the first verse I ever heard from this during a road trip when I was about five uh, goes as such, which I'm sure we've all heard it before. It's way catchier with a tune, but here it is. So we come from the land of the ice and snow, from the midnight sun to the hot springs flow. The hammer of the gods will drive our ships to new lands. To fight the horde, sing and cry, Valhalla, I am coming. And that's that exact pull from the verse. Um, that is the first time I heard of Valhalla. And I was like, as a five-year-old, just like downloading this subconscious knowledge. And eventually I was like, what was that? <laughs> like, a year ago, what was that? And so that was my first depiction of it. And so, oddly enough, amongst other uncomfortable things I asked my father on that road trip was, what does that mean? And he described to a certain nuance of, oh, it's Valhalla, it's like Vikings died and they went there. And that was like, it, because he's Christian. So that was it. So that was probably my first one. It was probably about, I, I would have been there five to eight years old, driving to Missouri in a suburban in the back of the suburban because I was the youngest and I had no respect to the family at all and that's where I first heard it. <laughs> Wait, you had suburbans? Yeah, they were just giant trucks that people just called suburbans and they just threw kids in the back. I thought it was like the Flintstone car. Yeah, like that's that's where I was. I thought that was a type of town. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's where you live now. I do live in suburbia. It's great. It is. Y'all are killing me. Okay. <laughs> it's not my fault you uh you decided to live in the city. No, it's not my fault. I wander it's my fault. I wander a lot. 
Yeah. yeah it's, it's all you, bud. So anyway, I want to see what you guys first heard of Valhall, your depiction of it, it's kind of the concept of it. Yeah. Uh, again, so this is, this is a very big conception of everyone wants to go to Valhalla. I want to make that I want to just pop that fucking balloon and make it not the one thing everyone wants. Okay. Everyone wants to die aggressively, which means everyone wants to die in combat, which everyone seeks aggression. And that sucks. Um, I've heard many, many ways of going to Valhall, and the one... There's a few things I've heard, but there's only one criteria I've ever heard be required now before i get into what that criteria is i've heard a lot of disillusions of what it takes to go right i've heard from many many heathens who reach out to me personally in many aspects that you have to die with a weapon in hand or a hatchet over your chest or shielded some stupid shit like that right i'm just gonna say that that's just ridiculous um you're gonna walk down let's say you get mugged and you're mugged in New York, you get shot in the chest, you live an entire world of life. You're not, you're not holding a hatchet in your hand. You're not going to... Okay, first of all, stop it. Just stop it. So, uh, my conception and everything I've ever seen, which is not the criteria I'm getting to, is willing to die for something, is what I think that Odin looks for. Odin looks for dedication. He's looking to someone to literally run towards giants and ultimately perish as cannon fodder. But you're dying for something. You're not dying because of something, you're dying for something. Whether it's a mugging gone wrong, um, a, a, a house invasion, whether you're in war, you're doing something. You're enacting on your own accord to prevent or enact or dying for a cause, albeit your own personal cause or something else. I think Odin looks for someone that is willing to die for something, not die because of something. Now, in the offhand of the thing I'm going to get to is the criteria I've always ever seen is the way to get to Valhall is through death through blood. Now, we talk about cancer, sicknesses, old age, whatever. That's not a blood loss thing. Um, I've heard of depictions all over the world of very elderly folk dying from old age or cancer wanting to go to Valhall, mind you. These are very, very old stories from very, very old people, and they literally get a knife, prick their finger, and bleed when they die. Now, that is the life force of them leaving their body through blood loss or blood. Now, that's not a home invasion. That's not in combat. That's not this and this. But they're leaving their life through blood loss, not through poison, not through cancer, which is kind of the same thing, not through sorcery. They could be something else. Uh, a big depiction in my mind is Odin doesn't look for those fighting Hardest. They look for the ones that are dying for a cause, not dying because of something, if that makes sense. Hey, so we're officially two episodes into this, and we're going to disagree a little bit. Um, well, that took long enough. Holy crap. You know, the first episode. <laughs> I do believe in everything that I've read and seen that you have to die fighting. 
Um, Blood loss. I've heard that one. I don't think it resonates personally. Um, if you're dying fighting something, if it's as long as you're not throwing a juice box at the hospice nurse. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't think that's going to work. Um, <laughs> and there it goes. Now he's curious. Um, I don't believe that that counts. Now, the other big one that I've always seen is childbirth. Now, I've heard the stories of women that die in childbirth fitting that criteria. I want to agree. I do, genuinely. And I do to a point. Then just do it. Just agree. That's all you got to do. Just, uh, you're right, White Wolf, and everything's resolved. I do not know that Odin would be the one that would take them, though. I do not believe that would be the criteria to get into Valhall. Bulgranger, on the other hand, high possibility in my mind. Um, but that's what I've always known is to die fighting. Fighting for something, not because of something. So to me, cancer, you're fighting something to survive. Agreed. That's what I was going to say. What about fighting cancer? What about fighting? Yeah, okay. Go ahead. That to me fits the bill. You died fighting. I don't care what it is. As long as it's not the juice box or the hospice nurse. You don't have to be in combat. Oops. I've heard that one so many times. I'm sure everybody's seen those memes. It's great, and I love the joke that's there, but I don't think that's going to work. Fair warning. But the die fighting is what I've always pictured as the key point there. Now, and it's dying fighting for a reason, for a cause. So in that aspect, me and I will do agree. Is to have that cause, to have that drive there. But I'm always confused on what we don't agree on in this aspect. Blood loss. I think what blood what Odin looks for is blood, not what he gets to claim. Now he's the second pick. If you, uh, okay. if you defend your loved one and die, and Freya sees love over fiery passion of hatred, you're they're both fighting at that point, but Freya gets both picks. I see now. Okay, different aspects, two sides of the same coin. Let's see that really weird thin edge that balances both sides out. Robert, go ahead. <laughs> so here's an interesting thing. And for all the listeners, when it comes to dying a warrior's death, in the modern day, you can still do that. You be a law enforcement officer or you be a protector in some aspect. You join the military um, I mean, that's the role of a Viking is going, leaving home and going to go fight. That's kind of the whole gist of what it means to be, you know, modern day Viking. Uh, and I've had to deal with this being a veteran and I've recently came to the conclusion and I'll share my thoughts. I thought of when you become a veteran you don't get to claim the veteran status if you don't deploy. Now, during my time in the service, I never deployed. And, but I still have all these psychological uh, damages that I have that I'm not going to go too much in depth about, but to the extent of 
it's it's scarring me to this day and i'm doing every day to keep on fighting now so so i would like to make this very clear robert wasn't stateside in fucking colorado or california he did go to another country to serve our country where he was stationed overseas it doesn't mean he was stationed in or sent to combat to say you weren't deployed you may have gone to another country i hate my camera right now you may have gone to another country but you may have gone to a country in war yes. to me it's, it's it's neither and it's the same so don't yeah dissuade yourself and saying <laughs> you didn't get relocated by the United States government just to fight a war even though you were doing it just as much somewhere else. So yeah. go ahead, sorry. No, that that's that was my clarification was you know, getting deployed where I was stationed it wasn't classified as a deployment. It was classified as a short tour. Meaning it was I'm just going and a PCS and I'm going to this base for a year. Suck. Yeah. But anyways didn't deploy in the aspect of going to combat and I didn't class for the longest time. I didn't class myself as a veteran because I didn't deploy now just because I didn't deploy. It doesn't mean I didn't serve and I did serve. I did my time and I have the repercussions for my time. And now because of all the, the psychological damage that I have in my head, you know, you have the external battlefield and, you know, you die from that. But if psychologically you have all that damages and you die because of the situations that it has and the, um, well, it's hard. Uh, the emotional damage and, you know, all right, death by suicide uh yeah nobody get to yeah death by, death <laughs> by suicide all the listeners i'm tearing up because almost did but still here gladly um death by suicide uh i believe that when you're still battling your your psychological damage you're still in the battlefield it's just not an external battlefield you're your battlefield is now in your mind and it's a daily struggle. It's, it's literally, it's never going away. It's not like you can, you know, go to sleep and then be like, all right, or you do six months. All right. Time to go back home. It's, it's always there. And that's where if you die because of your psychological damage, your mental illness, um, I mean, to depression and, PTSD isn't a new thing in the modern day. It's always, it's just been diagnosed as PTSD and that's the name for it. That's what's new. The symptoms are not new. So our ancestors, whether in Africa, whether in China, wherever you're from, they have PTSD symptoms, you know, when they're in war or away from their family and you know, off serving in a greater aspect. So that is where I think it's possible if you die because of the symptoms, it's the same as dying within with a gunshot to the head. It's just um prolonged. Episode two is intense. 
It's it's a um, little intense. Just a little bit. <laughs> I don't know who decided would, to pick Afterlife. <laughs> uh, that <clears throat> may have been me. <laughs> um, a lot of things I want to ter- I want to uh, talk about what we just said. Not wait. Um, uh, first off, from what I understand, uh, for all those you're listening, probably have done these things. Um, nine eight eight, not nine one one, but nine eight eight is a suicide hotline. If you are feeling depressed, sad, angry, remorseful, or trapped in your own mind, like many of us do as veterans, um, the three of us are all serving or non-serving uh, veterans, retired or otherwise. Uh, we have had this entire thing happen to us. And this may not be the veteran suicide hotline, but for what I understand, nine eight eight is the hotline you can call for any help, anything you want. Um, they will listen. They will help you through these things. They will get you through these things 24 hours, seven days a week. Um, now, my colleagues here may correct that in the later runs on what the nine or the numbers are. Uh, before I mention that is the suicide hotline, if you are having any problem with that, this is not a shameful thing. Um, what we've all been through has been more than we can bear. Um, the difference is we try and grin and bear it, and sometimes it overwhelms us just like everyday life. Whether I wake up and want to go to work in the morning, and that means either I work retail or I'm in combat. That's the same concept. There's nothing that makes you less of a warrior if you're not waking up every day wanting to wake up every day. Don't give in to those conceptions, those dark thoughts, whatever else. Um, For me personally, in my UPG shit, don't give in to Loki. Fuck that guy. He doesn't deserve my soul. Call that 98, bitch. Fuck that guy. Uh, on the other aspect of what we're talking about is very much the veteran side of it. This is a deployment, non-deployment, whatever you're doing. You're fighting every day for your own life and your own mind. Now, what that means to me is you are fighting every day, all the time. You are a warrior at heart or at mind. Um, Deployment, I don't think, has anything to do with it. I think the concept of you don't deploy, you're not veteran is the dumbest thing you could ever say in your life. I think everyone that served this country is a veteran at once and spec for another. Um, but it does bring up the controversial concept of suicidal death as opposed to depiction of death through combat and or self-infliction through what we believe as Valhall or anything else. Um, I have a few aspects on it. I don't know if Civitator does or if Robert does. I have heard certain things. I have not heard things. Again, much of mine is Christianized, so it's mostly damning the concept of self-death, where at the same time, if you're alive and well and you get claimed by Odin during the Wild Hunt, what's the fucking difference? So go ahead, Sigvidator, if you have something I have not said. I do. 1-988 is the correct number. Um, and if, if you are a veteran, you can do 988 and then take option one. That is the Veteran Suicide Crisis Outline. Just so you guys are aware, I had to give a briefing on this not too long ago. Um, anyways, suicide is a very gray area in a lot of different religions. It's one of those things that some religious beliefs will damn it to hell, per se, just to throw that one out there. I do not agree. Um, at all. And to give you a, to give everyone an exact reference to it, the ritual of the nine of nine, 
that was held at the Temple of Uppsala every nine years shows that. There were nine humans sacrificed and given as offerings. They were willingly placed in that seat. Don't think that that is the end all to that. Now, this, this episode two got really heavy. Didn't expect this to go down, but I'm glad it did because it's something that we all dealt with or deal with currently in personal lives and work relations and everything else. It's a growing issue in the U.S. and around the world from what I've understood. Um, I do not know the suicide crisis hotlines for other countries at the moment, but I wonder if we can get a list of them and throw, throw that up at the end of this podcast, at least on video. Yep. Um, just to show that, but it is a gray area, especially in the world today as to is it a worthy death as an honorable death? And I think that really comes down to the person and their personal fight. And I don't know that I'm not the person to call that one. I don't know, but still there's, there is that gray area there, which is rough for me to say. I don't want to say that, but in reality, any aspect of religious belief in the aspect of what we believe, it is a gray area. Now, do I believe you're going to Nidhogg's belly for that? Absolutely the fuck not. No, that'd be stupid. That would be ridiculous. But still, yeah, gray area. Man, we are getting real deep. Um, okay, let's... We're not going to lighten the load because we're going to talk about death and this podcast dictates, right? Uh, now, I would like to change a little bit of gears to not be so... Eh, <laughs> but, uh, um, let's talk about the different halls. Not all of them, because we don't know them all. Wait, now, I mean, you guys may be seeing this kind of stuff. Like, go one ahead, second, one second, one second. I So, this isn't going to be talking about suicide anymore. Um, not that it's not a big deal, but... Uh, like Sigvid Ufar said, I'm going to do my best to find all the suicide hotline um, numbers and I'll either put a link in the description or put it in the video. But for Sigvid Ufar, when you were talking about going to Valhalla and being chosen for Valhalla and you have to die a warrior's death in an aspect, I immediately went to the last poem of Ragnar Lothbrook. And as you know, he died in a snake pit from King Ailey or ale or something like that. And this is, and for all the listeners, this is actually historically accurate. This is what his last words were said. Full God gladly do I go see the Valkyr fresh from Odin's halls. High seated among heroes shall I quaff the yellow mead. The Aesir welcome me laughing gladly do I die. Now, as many people know, Ragnar Lothbrok was depicted and in the saga of the Volsungs it said that he's a descendant of Odin. Now, because of everything great he did in a warrior mindset that he did in his life, but he died via snakes biting him in a grave by a king. And he saw the the Valkyries coming down. Do, do you think he still went to Valhalla? Or did he go to a different 
Hall of Odin. So here's where that gray area comes in. And that's what I was talking about. And we don't need it. We won't hit on this super hard, but I will say this. If you lived a warrior's life, if you lived an honorable life, when I say the honorable dead go to Valhall or Folkfanger, I mean that. And that's their honor they've gained throughout their life. It's also stated in the Havamal. I'm going to paraphrase it. But now my brain won't blink. Um, basically, it is far better to live an honorable life and know that you have than to live like shit. I don't know if it was right, but it's the concept of dying on your feet or living on your knees. That one. Um, yeah, that, that's what I was going for. But yeah, that's, that's where that gray area comes in, is did you live an honorable life? Have you honored yourself, your ancestors, your kin, your friend? So yeah, 100%. That, one, I can't say I've ever met Ragnar Lothbrok and actually know that he was an honorable person. I know the stories, sure, but I don't know. Never met the dude. I'm not as old as White Wolf over here, fucking Flintstone gummy. Um, I am the gummy they based it off of. Thanks. Is that why they're so small? Um, as you're yeah. talking. What? As you're talking, you guys are both dwarves. Wow. Wow, yeah. says the Yoden. Uh, sorry, I'm just average height. You guys are dwarves. Actually, we're average height. <laughs> and to be fair, the first... I'm, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say what I'm going to say. All Go right, ahead. all right, all right. Continue, Sigurdo Far. It was funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, according to the sagas, he lived an honorable life, and I see no reason that he wouldn't have that honor bestowed upon him. And that's that gray area of, did you die a warrior's death? Sure. Did you die fighting for something? Arguably, he did. He died fighting for the freedom of his people and the well-being of his people in his own way. So, yeah. To me, that fits the bill. But again, I'm not Odin or Freya, and I don't make that call. That is not up to me to say jack shit. I can just interpret what I see. That's a great way of saying it. Go ahead, White Wolf. Let's go on to our next topic, as long as no one else has anything about Valhalla, Folkvanger. Are we done with oh, that topic? I'm not going to not say Valhalla. I'm just going to get into different halls. where we can discuss more realms ah. and what those are. Yeah. Okay. Right. So... What a lot of I do and our school of New Uppsala does is we have a, a lot of poetic. Poetic is all around the world. Um, we use one for a certain aspect of it. Now, that is the poetic translated by Lee M. Hollander. Me. Um, I, you cannot see this, obviously, if you're listening. I'm holding a book of the poetic from Lee M. Hollander. Uh, <laughs> Now, this is a good one that I like to use for a lot of new people, a lot of new heathens, even advanced heathens that know their way through it, because this is a more of a study guide poetic edit as it is to a just transcribed from the Codex Regis. Now, this does have the old English or the direct translations, but it also has footnotes of number values and what those things are. Now, what I like about this book is it says what he's found, what has been found, what could be, 
an added note and or the original transcript. So what I'm looking at when I look through halls and we discuss with our students not too long ago in the school, um, we've had multiple students brand new to our school. This is one of the first things we come across because we do it very story by story to depict the correct concept. Is the lay of Grimnir or Grimnisma? Now Grimnisma depicts many, many halls. Not all of them, obviously. No one can. No one will. But this does have many halls. They're not commonly discussed. This gets everything from Freya to um, uh, Yig, Yig's Chosen. It has a lot of different halls, including Heimdall's. Including Heimdall's, which is my boy. Um, this is a very good book for those that have not heard of it, read it, heard of other halls outside of um, Hell and or uh, Valhall. I literally almost forgot the name of it because I don't ever depict it. Um, Grimnismal or the Lay of Grimnir is a very good focus point or source to learn other halls of other gods and goddesses of the Aesir and the Vanir and those that aren't either. That's a big misconceptuality of you must go to one or the other. This is a big topic of conversation. I've said it before, and I'll say it forever. My boy is Heimdall. I'm not in any way deflecting or trying to ignore other things. Out of Loki. And then I look at this book, <laughs> and I see the teachings that enact it. Um, it does talk a little more about it. It does talk about more halls than you may have known already. Um, a big common misconception, this is what I really just, we're going to talk about it all night, and I'm going to re keep repeating myself. I want to deflate the Macy Parade, or the Macy's Days Parade, or whatever you want to call it, Woody Woodpecker-sized balloon of Valhalla. I want to just pop that bitch and make it deflate until it's a shriveled piece of mass on the ground. Valhalla is an insanely amazing place. Valhalla is incredible. It's what we want in our minds to achieve, but in our souls, our personages, might not be who we are. And that's why I very much depict this, because I, again, with many people here are veterans, um, I have done certain things, I have seen certain things, but I don't want that to be my afterlife. I don't want to fight until Ragnarok. I want, frankly, I want to drink and tell stories until Ragnarok. And motherfucker, if you are watching this, you'll know that by now, because you've seen Kors, I don't know what the other thing was, it was purple, and this, which is whiskey. So I very much enact that, and I love it so much because it's my escape, it's my release from the combat of life, of mentality, it's my zen. And everyone has their own, whether you are a caregiver to others, which may fall into the aid or heir, who takes care of the gods and goddesses, whether you are one that falls under, we'll say Freyr, not Frey, who watches crops grow and helps them harvest? Who helps farmers yield their crops and make their living? You can see 
blacksmiths all over the world going towards Thor for not combative, but for simply the means to an anvil to an end. There's so many gods and goddesses with so many halls that are unexplored on literature that UPG, which is obviously we talk about it so much today, for those who don't know, is unverified personal gnosis. Gnosis starts with a G, get over it. So the fact of that concept is it's something that you've dreamed, you conceived, you've you've conceptualized or seen in person, whether I eat a chocolate bar of mushrooms I have in the kitchen, or I smoke a bowl, or I just had a great fucking day, and something happened in my dream. Um, that is an UPG. UPG, no one can disprove, and at the same time, you can't physically prove. So it's very difficult. Uh, many heathens do not take into concept what UPG is, and they say UPG cannot exist in our religion, in our faith, in our culture. Because you can't prove it. Now, that is an impossibility to me, although that is a controversy to many. Um, there are so many halls. So many halls. We can talk about this for days and hours and months, and who gives a shit? We can go with as many halls as we have gods and goddesses. There's over 52 and conceptualize these. Now, the Grimness Small is the best source of our cultural literature that names as many as there have been that will be at least. Um, so I want to make sure that everyone knows Valhall is not the hall to go to all the time. I have no intention of going there. And I am aggressively combative. Like, aggressively combative. Even sober. So when I say I don't want to go there, I don't want to fight every day, man. I love bacon. I'll cook it myself, man. I don't I don't want it. Okay. I want to relax, kick by a stream, watch the nine realms pass me by, hear the the growth of the sheep's fur and watch the grass grow. I want to spend time with Heimdall and share my stories with the next generation. So there's many halls. Don't feel like you should be constructed or constricted to three, two, one, fifty. Who gives a shit? They're your afterlife. And you don't get to choose where you go, but you get to decide how you feel about it. Mm-hmm. I would like to hear or Robert, obviously, because he's smarter than us, uh and Paul, uh, where we would all Vertigo, not like Vertigo, but like what I said before is I want to go Heimdall's. Yeah, like for me, and because he's your patron god, right? Yes, and one day, very soon, we're gonna talk about that because that is not a common thing. Patrons, patronesses, none of that shit is what we do. But it does happen occasionally. TLDR for future, this is going to be a topic of discussion in the future episode of the new Uppsala podcast. Oh, keep tuned for so many arguments between the three of us. Oh, yeah. Bjork for me, is my Valhall for many heathens. So I would like to hear between Robert and Sigmund if there is one, and there's nothing wrong with knowing where or what to do, of what your depiction of romanticized Valhall you see you going so forth. Go ahead, Robert. I want to hear you first. 
Oh boy. It's rude. Yeah. Rude. I have to, I have to still think about. I have narrowed it down to three. Um obviously I don't plan on being an oathbreaker, so you know, I'm gonna go with other the other ninety percent of the human race and go to the live the life side of hell. Um but if a god were to pick me up and pick me and make me join their hall. It would either have to be Thor, because he's the protector of Midgard, an excellent father, and, um, you know, he just stands for so many things. Or it would have to be Nord, because of his calming nature. And it's said in, I want to say Vulutba, or a different one, a different story, but it's said that he will go back to Vanaheim during Ragnarok. So it there's as far as I know, there's not a hole that Nord or Thor have like that is named. So, um, go, go, please tell me. I'll be in your hold on. I got in your uh, so Njord, uh, spelled a little bit differently is N-J-O-R-T-F for North or whatever else. Um, Njotun, uh, the 11th hall, where Njord hath him reared his bright abode. That's a lot to depict, and I'm not even done yet. So this is where the sun shines upon his hall, um, where he has reared his bright abode. This Now, this is a big part of modernization, whatever else. The sinless god, sinless god, his seat there has and rules in a high-timbered hall. Now, a lot of things went back there. Um, one of them is, um, I'm sorry, uh, the shipstead. Now, shipstead is done from Njord. Njord to me, which is why I'm looking at this shit, um, Njord is what I moved to where I am now. Uh, one big thing that I think I share with Robert in this instance is when I moved to this location that I live now was not something I wanted, nor was my ideal location. Since I moved here, I felt a bigger calling. I, I told myself I would give a better homage or respect to Njord because right now I am more coastal. I have more access to the ocean everything with it. Now, he is a god of much commerce, trade, and shipfaring, which is the Viking, not culture, but job aspect of it all. Now, it's a calming, it's a symbiotic, it's a diplomatic source of wealth or trade. So, I think it's interesting to see that it is one described as the sun shines upon and makes it very bright and helps others. Now, a lot of time you misinterpret Njordfaron, and there's a lot of destruction at sea and all this peril. Um, Njord is peaceful and in commerce and in basically communication and well-being of all cultures all countries, all concepts, and seeks out symbiosis as opposed to hostility. So I think it's a very good I 
concept of it. I think I really like that about that. Sorry if I so good that rubbish. No, that's beautiful. Thank you for, uh, I mean, even as you can hear and see, even Gothar still forget things from time to time. And, you know, we all lean on each other and, you know, knowledge keeps on getting lost. So you have to keep on refilling that knowledge cup. So go for Sigurdufar to tell me Thor's Hall because I'm ignorant and not smart. Thank you, White Wolf. Ooh, teach us. Go read the Lay of Grimnir, um, but this is one of them. It is Stanza 4 in the book that we use. The land is holy which lies yonder, near to Aesir and Alf. In Throthheim, there shall Thor A dwell, till dawns nigh the doom of the gods. Um, Throthheim means the land of strength, which, on par, but it seems to be, according to this, right in the middle of the Aesir and the Alfs, on a borderlands, essentially, which is interesting and highly convenient for Thor's line of work. Um, but yeah, Throthheim, which is super cool. So what do you think is Thor's line of work? Is that aggression or is that productivity? Is that building or destruction? Because we all know, Mjolnir's a hammer that can build or destroy. So, what do you think? The answer is yes to your question. He is the protector and the creator in his own aspects. He has saved people, protected people. He's slain the giants. Uh, he does whatever Thor does. We don't... I get what you're trying to ask. And I don't want to give my answer because it's not complete. In case anyone's curious, if you ever talk to Gothi, we are just as much assholes to each other as we are to you. I would say, personally, that Thor is a protector. He protects the land of the Aesir as well as Midgard. Now, does he have a hammer? Could he be a builder of swords? Absolutely. Could he be a blacksmith? Absolutely. I see no issue with any of those. But to me, he has always been a protector. Um, but yeah, little time. Super cool. Now you know, Robert. Um, to answer the previous fucking question that we went over. Where to go? Because now I went down this fucking craziness. I lost uh, like a little bit. What is he looking up? Um, which halls I would like to go to? Fun thing. I just oh, re-remembered again. Besides that, fuck off. For, the thing that I just re-remembered: Valtjalf Hall did house Odin in olden days. Valhall was not always his hall. He built that shit for that purpose. So, cool story. Go read the Grimness Mall. Uh, now, keep in mind, is the same Grimness Mall that we are reading together, which is the Liam Hollander version. Um, Robert, uh, I know you prefer the other one, which is a great one. Don't get us wrong. This is not a good or bad. This is just what we read. Uh, Robert, what, which one do you, do you read? Uh, so, I read both, but uh, for easier uh, 
being able to understand what is being said instead of having to decipher what is being said to then understand what is being said. Um, you got the Jackson Crawford edition, which is he's a scholar from Colorado. Yeah, Colorado. And he is a linguist for Old Norse Tales. And he has many books he's seen to be as he tries his best to be as accurate to the Codex Regius. He's not an active part. A participant in Norse paganism. He's a scholar and he's dedicated his whole life work towards bringing this back and making us practitioners more readily to practice how we want to practice and have stories to better help us understand. So, yes, you got many different translations of the Poetic Edda. Um, the two that I've read, the Lee Hollander and Jackson Crawford, both in Old English and Modern Day English. And, uh, I mean, Jackson Crawford is, as you said, not a follower of our beliefs, but he's a actual, and I'm just going to, because I know of him and I do know him, uh, Jackson Crawford is not to be discredited because of his beliefs. It's not because he's not follower things. He is a very well-written, well-spoken man who is an actual professor, not just some guy that talks on shit, um, out of the University of Colorado in Boulder, Colorado. You can go see this man in life anytime you want. If you go to Boulder, Colorado and go to his college, you can sit at any one of his courses. He is a very intelligent, well-spoken individual who sees what we've done does not follow the belief and takes into, I'll just say layman terms, um, just to make it easier for those around. Um, so because of that, um, Jackson Crawford is a very big conduit of the current cultural heathen community. Um, he is not a gofi. He is not a practitioner. He is a very well-educated scholar, which I think is, a lot of the times more important and not more important, all the things more important to listen to is someone that is getting care of their lives. You get a non-biased intellectual study group that depicts it in black and white, makes it modern, cultural, and makes you understand it better. So if you are in the Colorado area or state, you go to Boulder, see sit on his uh, what do they call them, lectures, and actually meet this man. He's intelligent, he's wise. You can pick up his, I think it's the Cowboy Edda or something, what do they call it? Uh, the Wanderer's Havamal, um, where he just goes over to the Havamal, and it's on one page, it's the modern-day English translation, and then the other page, it's uh, Old Icelandic, and then in the very back, he has his own depiction called the Cowboy Havamal. That's what it was. Cowboy have them all. Uh, um, go ahead. Found him again. Now that you fucking distracted me with Thor's Hall. <laughs> um, Yidal's Plains, which is Uller's Hall. Or Vithi is what it's called, or Vidar's Hall. 
either one of those, if I could, if I was so worthy to be picked by either one of them, that's where I want to go. If I were to have the chance to take my pick, I would go with Uller or with Vidar, hands down. Why? Why Uller? Why not? I mean, I can think of a thousand reasons that anyone that doesn't like the cold, but like, why Uller? I'm not asking why not. I'm not. I'm not challenging. I'm curious. You can ask me why. I'll go out for days. So why, if Uller? Would you accept Uller? Now, keep in mind, a thousand times before we said it, and this is way too deep, and our editing is going to take time and time again, and that Robert's days to do this. And I'm going to try and do what Robert does best. For those of you just tuning in, we're talking about the afterlife and halls we would like to go to and or the deflation and de-romanticization of Valhall. While this isn't something that we often romanticize and see in video games, movies, television series, and otherwise depicted books, this is not the common norm. You will not likely end up in Valhalla. I can die now if someone walked in, stabbed me in the face, and I died. Graphic, depictive, perfect. But I hope I don't end up where that is. I do not want to end up in hall. If I do, mazel, which somehow should make me not be able to go there. But at the same time, I would rather go to Heimdall's Hall than others. So this is the de-romanticization of what I love to shit on people and say, the Brosatru version of where you want to go when you're dead. Um, so we're talking about the halls we would like to go to as opposed to the halls we feel our cultural or faith bias dictates we should go to. So Sigvita Uthara, why would you rather go to Uluzhara over Valhalla? Yeah, I'm going to put this really simply, and it's I'm going to answer your question with a question. What do you know of Ulu? We know close to nothing about who he is or what he does, other than he's a hunter and he's a skier and he does his thing. We know very little about his actual tasks and what he guards, outside of some references to a hunting and horse and snowshoeing and winter cabin-like person, as well as being very highly regarded by the other Aesir. But we don't know who he is. Not in reality. We have these obscure references, but I want to know who he is. I want to know what he does. Not to mention, I like being up in the mountains. I live in a place where we have gigantic mountains. It's super cool, and I love it. And if I could, I'd be up there all day, every day, and that would be great. So, just as, a, as an afterlife, I would find enjoyment in the peace of the woods. Just being gone. The absolute blissful piece of I know I can handle my business, but I'd rather be out here alone. You know what I mean? So you're seeing isolation as opposed to recognition. Yes. Absolutely. I want to be alone. 
Now, we have had a student before you that has come before us that does like Uller, and I do have a little bit. However, it may not be more than we already know about Uller. So I am curious to see Robert's side of this concept while I dig through my materials, whether online or offline, and find these things. So, Robert, I know we're going to pass. Oh, yeah, we're already past time. It's only a couple but, minutes. So, so what either I'd like to see what you would like to go to, and if you would like to add on or talk to Steve about his, if not, that's fine. But what are your conceptual realities of where you would like to end up while I attempt to find the material study that I had on Uber? So, like, your question regards to why I want to go to Nords or Thor's Hall over Valhall? Essentially, where do you want to go and why? Oh, yeah, so I feel like that's already been answered, but Nord, I want to go to his hall because it's just peace, and I'm a very non-conflict type of person I mean they both know I don't like to use my fists I used to use I like to use my words and my knowledge to combat all that oppose me um and to for my afterlife being able to just sit down next to the shore and that's how I picture Nord's Hall it's a basically a beach house and there's it's like hawaii bright sun soft sand blue water and just get to go fishing get to go drink some beer get to uh put a campfire during night and just be at calm and an eternal vacation opposed to the everyday struggles um, that mankind go through each and every day. I do so, just real quick. Yeah. All three of us have said we just want to get left alone to our own fucking business. And yet <laughs> in different environments, in yeah. totally different environments, we've all said, you know what? Why Wolf just wants to drink and tell stories to the next generation. You want to go to a beach house and drink beer and hang out. And I'm like, I'm disappearing into the woods. But essentially, we all chose peace. Yep. I mean, and, that, that's, that's more beautiful in our eye. I mean, I'm not a conflict person. I don't, go, I don't want to go to war. I don't want to battle every day. If I'm already struggling mentally with... You know, right. just going to an overseas. Imagine how I'm going to be battling each and every day and feeling getting stabbed literally 50 times minimum. And then <laughs> I finally pass out from blood loss and I get reborn. There's no way I'm going to be the last man standing if I were to be in Valhalla. Every single day I'm dying. There's no way I'm going to be uh, the, the last one alive. I'm not going to have the victory royale. I ain't going to get the winner 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 chicken dinner i ain't gonna get the number one i ain't gonna i ain't gonna win it's winner winner pork dinner just so you know i mean um, winner winner chicken dinner uh by PUBG. players own own battlegrounds 
Um, I have the iron skill or the iron the what is it? Iron pan, not iron pan. The skillet. It's the yeah, the pan. Yeah. Anyway, so Xavier Uber absolutely spoke to exactly what I wanted to depict. Okay. Those of you listening, those of you watching, um, there is a difference between guilty and oath sworn guilty. There is a difference. I don't give a fuck what you say, what you hear, what you know of. It is what it is. All right. Whether it is or it isn't, it is what it is. Okay. I want to basically hit on the same exact thing that I just said. Now, the three of us, if you're listening, the three of us are veterans or active duty. We have all seen and done things we are not proud of, have about, and have in our turmoil of. We all have very different depictions of where we want to end up in the afterlife, whether we decided or not, which is obviously not us. But I really want to hit on what Sifir Ubo just said is all three of us chose or are looking towards a hall that demands peace and or passive justice, right? Robert seeks the Bayside. We, we have all these different things. It's, it's, it's crazy to think that between the three of us, we all have our very different aggressive personalities. Now, I am mean, aggressive, and combative when I need to be, just like my fellow Gothar are. For our community, for ourselves, for our family, we are this aggression. We are these things. We are the sleeping wolf or the hibernating bear, but if you wake us up, we will destroy you. In the long term, when we seek Valhall, these are three different, entirely different cultural, raised differently in different states and countries, or whatever the fuck you want to call it, go far that have taken an oath to warn ourselves to the community and depict and teach the future. Go far. Just like I said, we all chose a peaceful afterlife. And it may be a veteran status conceptuality of we've done it, we're done, where you see the more um, civilian concept of I seek combat, I'd like to prove myself. Um, there's nothing wrong with either side, but there's the different mindset. And when you become a Gothi or a Gothar, which is Gothia and Gothi, which is Gothar is plural of men and women, you serve your time, your purpose, your country, combative of otherwise, and you see a peaceful resolution to the rest of existence. Which is the same thing that many gods and goddesses seek as well. So, Sigmar Upar, absolutely to the words out of my mouth, and certain answers saying, we all sought a peaceful end, a peaceful afterlife, even if it is an abusive end. I will go down, split throat, dying, punching someone, bleeding out, done. That doesn't mean that's all in the afterlife. I don't want to be the first line in Odin's hall, Odin's war. 
which to many, many heathens will lose respect to many different ways. I know many heathens that will not talk to me if I say, I want to fight in Ragnarok. And they'll be like, don't talk to me again. I'm like, that's fine. I'm going to talk to the next generation. I'm going to spread my knowledge to the next generation. You know who can't do that? The dead. So I seek Heimdall because drink is peaceful to me and passing out of knowledge is what I do as a gulfy. Robert is more seaside, peaceful, sees commerce and trade and seeks that basically it sounds like what's the vacation? Hawaii. I'll just say Hawaii because I can't remember the other word for, for Maui. That's yeah. the word. Maui, Bali, we're talking about Thailand, just like the best time of your life. And if I understand Sigmund Uthbara, which he's going to have to correct me now because he's out about Thor and shit, is I'll, your... The language of the trees. That's what I want. So he wants to be in a fucking forest somewhere where moss grows over his body and he grows from the roots. Be great. The concept is... And this is going to be up so much, so much editing. I'm so sorry for Robert. It's only but going to be like for five minutes. We walked in saying, here's Valhalla. Here's the beauty of Valhalla. I can, to a degree, depict Valhalla in my mind when I died, resuscitated, but saw something on the UPT stats. I believe what I saw to the left of my being was. Valhalla. But that was not the hall I was meant for. We start the conversation saying, Valhalla is great. It's what everyone wants to go to. And between three Uthswar and Gothar who have seen things serve the military, not serve the military, been deployed, been family members, fathers, husbands, whatever you want to call it. Still currently serving even just the uh, community as a whole. Currently serving, after serving, children, no children. We've had a lot, not all, obviously, but a lot of experiences. And at the end of the day, we see Baha saying, You know what I like about Baha? Bacon and beer. That's like the only thing that's appealing. And yet, yep. you know, I could just catch a fish, cook it up on my fire, enjoy the sunset. Hang out with Nord. Yeah, I'll trade that in for a squirrel. You know, squirrel tastes good. Have you had squirrel? Squirrel Squirrel is good. Curious about the squirrel eating the chicken bone outside your apartment, Wolf. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. I don't fuck with that squirrel. Yeah. Anyway. It's a good point. Intensely. (laughs) Go ahead and save it here. No, it's it's a good point to make that we all have this different idea of what peace is to us and where we want to be. And that's okay. And I guess that's the biggest thing is I don't want that to be okay in our community to not necessarily want to go to Valhalla. Like, I don't want that experience of, I don't want to go to Valhalla. Go away. You're useless to me. You're not a real key. That's bullshit. Nah. Oh, Consume a satchel of Richard's. That's bull. Mm-hmm. I hate 
it's stupid to think that the only worthy person is the one that wants to go to Valhall. Yeah, and I'm not gonna, you know, fuck it, I'm gonna call him out. No, how boy. many of those guys actually are gonna make it to Valhall? Uh, how many of whom? How many of the guys that are like, yeah, I'm going to Valhalla are actually gonna make it there? They're the people that will throw the milk carton at the hospice nurse. Yeah. They'll die because, but not for a cause. So I'll say two out of ten, which means Valhall is a uh, chock full of the inhibitor, and uh, y'all probably will make the cut. I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing to want that desire, but it's like shooting for the stars. Sense. Exactly. It's it, it's a it's someone that posted an Instagram story, hoped to be an influencer. What are the odds that you make it national? Like, I don't want to dissuade it, and those that are chosen by Odin are absolutely chosen by Odin. But to think in your mind, I need to be aggressive so that Odin recognizes me. You need to be for a cause and be bettering yourself always. Because Odin is all only aspects. Sends human immune every day. One for thought, one for memory. Around Midgard and the other realms. Because he only seeks to grow himself. If you're not seeking to grow yourself and you're seeking combative behavior, Odin has no business with you. Personally, and fuck you, I don't care. If someone is just combative in a trailer park, you're not going to Valhalla. Loki might use your ass because you're a combative <laughs> moron that doesn't have a concept in your brain outside of fight, fight, fight. He's like, Yoden, Yoden, Yoden. <laughs> so who cares, right? You might, be on the wrong, you might be the wrong end of this fucking war. You may be thinking, I'm going to go Valhalla. And you're going to be like riding a fucking ship made of toenails and being like, oh, shit. <laughs> At some point, White Wolf, you're going to need to explain your dislike for Loki, because I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of Lokians that don't oh, yeah. podcast. So you're going to have to explain that at some point, and it's going to be I great. So, I uh, episode three of the New Upsala podcast, why White Wolf hates Loki with a desperate passion. It's, it's going to be, it's gonna be a two-part <laughs> podcast. <laughs> So it will take me at least four hours to tell you how much and why. Just remember, you got your creativity from him. Has nothing to do with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, anyway, no. Right. Not yet. So, okay. why Wolf did the final, like, hit the nail of why, you know, if you're a Norse pagan, and you seek to go to Valhalla, you can shoot for the stars. You can do your best. Ultimately, it's not your choice. There's many other halls to go, as we have. Uh, and in our sources, it says of many other halls other than Valhalla, Volkvanger, and Hell. Um, so, Dao, I think... Do you, you guys reckon it's the, the end of the podcast, unless you guys have anything else you want to add? You know, I... Go ahead. Anything to add? 
as I finish this drink. For those of you that do want to go to Valhall, hail to you and hail to your journey. You'll never see me there. <laughs> True. For me, absolutely. I think we are finned with this. The biggest thing I want for takeaway is to look into the Grimness Mall or the Life of Grimness. Um, don't think just, just don't think Valhalla is the only option mm -hmm. now you may be pacifist you may be vegan but you may be all these different things but you can still have these concepts these spiritual beliefs these realities these conceptions that think well I don't believe in bloodshed or this or this there's a place for you everywhere and that's the thing. There's a place for you everywhere in this culture, belief system, faith value. And the minute someone that you believe is a part of your faith or spiritual conception tells you there's not a place for you, it is either they are either wrong or you're in the wrong place. So if you think Ball Hall is a place for me and someone says, I don't believe you belong there, either they don't or you look otherwise. But everywhere, Amongst our 52 plus gods and goddesses, there is a place for everyone. Whether it's Christians finding their own way, uh, heathens still walking this path, but insecure about death, um, scared people that don't want to die. That's not a shame, that's a reality. That's a conceptual reality that's real. There's always a place in every hall from every god and goddess that will celebrate your growth, your progression, even your stagnation, there's a place for you here. There's a place for you in this conceptual reality, in this faith, in this belief system, and go far if they are worth their weight in salt, will help you find your way to being. That being said, I'm going to find those all. Thank you all for listening to the new Uppsala podcast. Hopefully we can see you and hear from you in the comments down below. You can hear us from Spotify and many other uh, accounts where we also have a Facebook page, which will be in the description. I mean, it's going to be in the, the link tree and it's going to have all our socials. And hopefully we can all see you next week for the new episode of the podcast. Night. Adios. Oh, good night.